What up, what up, what up, everybody? This is Dario Hunt from Live Life Fearless. Welcome back to another episode of our Fearless Show podcast. Today's date is March 22nd, 2019. Today we have a special guest filling in for my usual co-host, uh, Aaron Pruner. Say hello to everybody. Hello, everybody. So, yeah, um, he is a recent, uh, I guess, addition to our team over at LOF, a uh, recent writer. And I think you have produced one piece so far in the <laughs> class. Yep. And, you know, we've been talking about getting you on the show for a while, so I'm glad that we could finally, you know, kind of get that worked out. Yeah, good to be here. I mean, before we start, you know, if you want to kind of let everybody know a little bit about yourself. All right. Uh, let's see here. I'm going to try to give you the short version. Uh, I'm an actor. At least I started off as an actor in L.A. Um, I was on a TV show called VR Troopers in the 90s, which was like a Power Rangers spinoff. And uh, from there, I acted professionally for about 20 years. And about a decade ago, the economy tanked and my agent passed away. And I sort of used that time to pivot uh, careers. And I started writing as a hobby. Never went to school for this. And um, yeah, it's it's crazy because like 10 years later, I've written for the Washington Post and the Hollywood Reporter. And uh, I regularly freelance for places like Thrillist and Playboy. You've taken me on. And between that and being a stay-at-home dad, I, I'm in LA and trying to still, you know, juggle as much work as I can. It's been it's been a grind, but not a bad one. Um, and that's one of the reasons why I've had a hard time getting my schedule worked out with you to get on. But I'm happy to be here, and that's I guess that's me in a nutshell. If you want to look it up, I'm on Netflix. I uh, I don't look like this in 1994. <laughs> I was way skinnier. It's a show called VR Troopers. I wear glasses. I'm the the nerd on the show who gets beat up all the time. See, I did not know that you were that guy. I didn't know that you were on the TV show, kind of like Power Rangers. That's pretty yeah, dope. yeah. I go to the I go to the Power Rangers convention all the time as celebrity guest. It's pretty uh, it's pretty ridiculous. <laughs> like I know Bulk yeah. and Skull. I, and I whenever I see them at the conventions, like we hang out. It's uh, it's 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 weird looking back on it now. Uh, but yeah, that's where I, that's where I started. I mean, that, that's awesome. I, I personally was never really a big Power Rangers fan, but obviously I know it's got such a massive following and that's pretty dope to be kind of even associated with that. I never was either. So <laughs> no, no worries. <laughs> All right. Um, is there any place that, you know, they can find you outside oh. of, you know, obviously on our site? Yeah. Um, I, on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, I'm Aaron Flux, A-A-R-O-N-F-L-U-X. I do my own podcast. Um, we're currently on hiatus because as I mentioned, I have a baby, which fucking baby. Yeah, make things a little tough. <laughs> yeah, I, I do a podcast that I've been doing now for almost six years called, uh, Punch Drunk TV, where I get drunk with my co-host Jack and we argue about television. Uh, previously the show was called Pass the F and Remote. We were hosted at a website called Geek Nation, which was a pretty big entertainment site. And then it just sort of imploded and disappeared from the Internet. Um, mm -hmm. So now we're Punch Drunk TV. So look us up. We're at PunchDrunkTV.com and PunchDrunk underscore TV on Twitter and PunchDrunk TV on Facebook. Yeah, I've, I've definitely checked out a couple uh, myself. Oh, God, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> my my co-host and I always tell people, don't do that. Do not listen to the show. Like, we'll go on interviews and people will be like, oh, I see I see you're a podcast producer. I'm like, no, we're just hanging out in his living room at like midnight <laughs> drinking whiskey and arguing about the worst CW shows. Like, 
I mean, that makes for some of the best conversations, doesn't it? Though? It does. It does. It's not the most polished show, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, we've been doing it for six years, so there's got to be something that brings us back, you know? Yeah. I mean, they're fun, definitely. I mean, this is for sure not the most polished show, but I think we get some pretty good talks out of it. Yeah. Um. So, before we start, I just want to get, you know, some housekeeping out of the way. So, as always, if you guys are following us and you guys continue to follow us and like these podcasts that we do, you can definitely subscribe anywhere that this is up. Obviously, on our website, on SoundCloud, we're on YouTube, we're on Apple Music, we are on google play everywhere basically except for spotify so wherever you guys you know kind of follow us definitely subscribe because we're gonna try to do these even more often now and if you like any of the gear that i rock in these videos or for everybody that's actually watching this you can also head up to the site where we you know do a lot of stuff we get out a lot of gear and we just released a new coffee table book so definitely check that stuff out and if you have any topics questions or uh, suggestions about this show, past show, or any other future shows, you can also let us know at podcast at livingmyfearless.co or go to livingmyfearless.co slash podcast where you can fill out the form and oftentimes a lot of you guys' comments and stuff make it to one of our future shows. So we'd love to have you as part of the conversation. That coffee table book was pretty badass, by the way. Um, uh, thanks, man. Yeah, I'm excited definitely, for it. Definitely took uh, you know a few months to get everything together it was our first real one so it was an experience but it was fun and I'm, i think it turned out really well so yeah that's awesome so as always we're gonna hop into some news items and uh there weren't a ton of like major major headlines just a bunch of smaller stuff so it's gonna be more of a kind of quick run run through on some of the stuff and we'll take a bit more time on some of the more interesting topics uh, headlines but obviously right. your biggest headline is the fact that supernatural is ending after season 15 right uh that is one of my headlines really? <laughs> i was i was kidding i didn't know that was real sorry i will no, let it, you continue it was. It, it's, it's on the list it's definitely on the list but i mean what i really want first kind of mention that first popped up is tlc obviously the very famous group by chasing waterfalls they are I guess trying to start a Broadway play sometime in the future. Oh, so I guess it's going to cover their history as a group, some of their greatest songs, and then some original stuff from both T Boss and Chili. And so I just thought that was kind of interesting to see. Didn't Left Eye burn a house down? Wasn't that? Didn't she set fire so, to like a, a thing? Yeah, <laughs> she definitely did that. Uh, to I think I can't remember if it was. It was like her boyfriend, boyfriend, ex boyfriend, something like that. Yeah, yeah. Burned down. Well, that has to be in the play. <laughs> that has to be in there, right? You know, like if I'm going to go to a play about the story of TLC, I best see someone burning a house down, or else I'm going to feel like I didn't get my money's worth. They did ha- recently have a biopic. Uh, obviously, like every single music group apparently is doing these days. Uh, it was like t- straight to TV one. And there was a lot of crazy stories, but they said there's even crazier stories that they haven't told yet. And I can only imagine, considering those are the ones that we have heard. I'm into it. I mean, I don't know if we'll go, but it piqued my interest. I'm definitely interested to see kind of the reaction about it, you know. Yeah. Never thought TLC, Broadway, two things I've never really put together. Right. (laughs) Yeah, but weirder things have happened. I mean. Yeah. 
you know, that uh, you piqued my interest. I don't, I don't really have anything else to say about it, except there better be someone burning down a house. It's kind of hard to tell their story without that, you know. So we do cover a lot of art on the website, and that's just us as a brand. So we're going to cover some art news. Uh, as we said, that we did start a new news segment on our website where we kind of cover daily reporting and whatnot. And recently there was a report about NVIDIA. They have an AI chip or technology that can take your most basic sketches and turn them into the most photorealistic kind of renderings within a matter of seconds. So it's pretty crazy. There's a video attached to the article you can find on the website where they just kind of paint things green, brown, red, whatever, and the computer automatically knows how, whether that should be like rocks or mountains or like uh, landscapes or stuff, and it basically pumps it out into a super realistic looking picture. It's kind of creepy, actually. I will look that up, and yes, that sounds creepy to me. I mean, there's there's something to be said for like. I, are you familiar with the concept of the singularity? You know, the, yeah. the, the, the it's every time a constant you, conversation. Right. I mean, every time I uh, hear of some new artificial intelligence tech piece of technology or innovation that comes out, it's like we're closer to the that Skynet moment where suddenly, you know, we're hunkered down in the basement while while there's machines out doing who knows what. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm impressed with these types of innovations, but at the same time, sure. it's like, what's next? I mean, you could, you could, uh, 3d print a gun right now. You know what I'm saying? Like there's, they're testing out driverless cars. And I, I don't know if you, have you seen that show, um, love death and, uh, I have robots. Uh, and that was, that was definitely going to talk about that, but we talk about it now because, uh, I enjoyed it a lot anthology on netflix there's an episode i just watched last night called uh in it called zima blue about an artist who yep. becomes more and more machine-like and that's kind of like that's the first thing i thought of when you brought this up like where does the humanity end and the technology begin you know what i mean yeah well i mean their ai is getting better obviously every single day and it's really starting to be able to imitate like kind of human expression. Yeah. Especially with like a big concern with this type of technology is that it's so easy to fake photographs now that it's really hard to kind of tell the difference. Those face swap things where, what was it, Jordan Peele voiced uh, Barack Obama and they made a video yeah. and people thought it was actually yeah. Obama. Yeah. And outside of like a few kind of giveaways that you have to really be kind of looking for, it's really hard to tell now. And and I, I mean, it's pretty much the Wild West right now because nobody really knows what type of rules, regulations, or like how to even really kind of control things like this. So I'm excited, but kind of cautiously so at the same time because I'm sure people are going to use this in ways that you can't even really imagine right now. But yes, but taking it back to the art story you were just talking about, th these these are real human drawings that the that the computer is then reinterpreting in a more realistic manner yeah so you can literally it make a sketch kind of a rough sketch or it can be like our title is it turns your crap you can finally turn your crappy third grade sketches into like fine art so it can be like a really rough terrible sketch and then 
the computer will, I guess they kind of program it right now. They've only showed landscapes, but it can take it and turn it into something that really looks like somebody just had a camera and took a picture of like somewhere like landscape wise. Okay. So hear me out. Uh, how long do you think it's going to be until there's a scam where <clears throat> someone draws some like shitty painting or shitty drawing, puts it through the AI, it comes out like like a Monet. They then take it and start their own art gallery and start charging money. Yeah, for I it. give it right about a week after <laughs> it first kind of releases the public. Probably even less than that, but yeah, somebody's gonna try. Of See? course, like that's just kind of human nature at this point. Is for somebody I, anyway they can come up, they're gonna try. So that's what I'm saying. So like. I guess we kind of deserve it if the robots rise up eventually, if we're going to be scamming yeah. people like that. But, I mean, you got to... I mean, I feel sorry for people who aren't going to be tech savvy in the future because the stuff that's coming out now is... You wouldn't even imagine that it would be possible. So, yeah. to see it, you wouldn't even think like, oh, this could be fake or maybe I'm not... Maybe I am being scammed right now, you know? Yeah, I do. Wow. That's insane. But definitely check the article out because there's actual video of it, them actually doing it, and the video, I can't really give it justice. All right. Yeah, I'll check it out. I had no idea. So next, um, so Marvel and comic books have basically kind of taken over culture at this point, and now they're going into certain art. Uh, museums and they have an exhibit at the Franklin Institute about their kind of entire history cinematic and otherwise so just kind of uh, they just continue to take things over more and more into mainstream and mainstream culture which is kind of insane to think about when I was just a kid it wasn't really that mainstream yeah I mean what do you think about that I mean I just mentioned like 10 minutes ago I played a nerd on television before nerds on TV were cool but like you you it's kind of like the way I view things, you know, when I was playing this character, uh, kids would come up to me and try to kick me and beat me up because that's what they saw on TV. And it wasn't until after uh, kids were getting bullied at school that we got a note on the production to change things. And then here we are, like, that was 94. So in like 2004, I went to my first Comic-Con and... Then the Big Bang Theory happened, and suddenly this, like, image of nerds sort of shifted. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. And now here we are where you got Bill Maher on TV talking all this mad shit about comic books and how adults shouldn't be into comic books. But at the same time, the flip side of that is how much of a money-making industry it is and the types of just uh, at at their best base like the human stories that they're telling the the mm-hmm. age-old good versus evil and and moralistic stories of right versus wrong and all that stuff like it seems to be universal when you look at it at that point so like i don't know it feels like a gradual place to where we are now and um yeah, yeah. um i mean my kind of take on it we have this conversation actually a lot on this podcast because we being my other coast we love comic books obviously we grew up with Marvel and all these superheroes, especially on TV and cartoons and anime shows. So we kind of understand it. Our kind of take on it, my, well, my take on it specifically, like with Belmar, he doesn't really understand comics either. Like he doesn't, he kind of pictures them as still that kind of really childish kind of medium. But the stuff that's being pumped out today is far more like mature and like 
operates more in that gray area and it's not just straight like good versus evil and it's like they really talk about current issues and kind of like more free ways and a lot of times than is possible in like other mediums and it's, I mean you can't watch read something like Watchmen or other stuff like that and say that comic books are for children because no. there's such a wide range of like in anything even with movies and TV shows there's such a wide range now of the different type of stuff that they're talking about and a different type of, you know, stories they can tell. So I just think it's grown into like an actual art form because like I said, you can, you can, you can read something about, you know, civil rights and then you can read something about, you know, your typical Superman type of story. And it's all considered comic books, but there's different levels to like how complex and how complicated and how serious, you know, stuff should be taken and my, I already did, kind of did an opinion piece a while ago, basically saying that comic books have basically taken over, like, I said that the comic books are basically like the new gods at top Mount Olympus, meaning that they have basically taken over, like, Greek culture, where back in the day, those were kind of the moral stories that people kind of got and kind of turned towards, like, in terms of lore, especially in the Western world that's where kind of all of our stuff was kind of based off of. But now if you ask kids about like Zeus and all these, they don't really know those stories. But if you ask them about like Spider-Man or Batman or whatever, they can tell you like, like it, like it really happened. You yeah. Know? Like everybody knows their backstory. And when I was younger, yeah, you had kids that knew it, but I think even I knew more about like those Greek gods and those more type of teachings than you did from comic books. And I was kind of shifted and I think it's just kind of always how the process goes. And yeah, like it kind of just took over that kind of lane. And it's basically like the new, like when Western's really big, yeah. comic book's really big right now. It's just kind of a natural flow. And I just think that there are so many talented people involved in comic books. Obviously, you do have some childish stuff, but there are so many like hidden like stories out there that are really great that you can't really, you can't really lump it all into to together so it's not necessarily a bad thing or a good thing it kind of just is what it is and obviously if you only see the blockbusters and everything then you're gonna think it's all just watered down kind of bullshit but even the movies now are getting really interesting in some of the stories that they tell so <clears throat> i think it's just growing as a as a medium and i think i think it's a good more of a good thing than a bad thing for sure no i agree and, and you know i i cover a lot of television with what i do um and i was just talking to my co-host, because he's a big Marvel, big Marvel guy, um, about this. And it's it's interesting, like a couple years ago, the TV show Legion came out roughly around the same time that Preacher came out, two very different comic books, yeah. very dark and uh, weird. But what they both helped to do was expand the, the idea of what a comic book story can be on yeah. TV in that narrative. And, you know, we've seen Marvel try um, the Defenders and uh, Luke Cage, you know, Daredevil on Netflix, and those are all canceled now. And now I feel like we're in that next stage where you got Grant Morrison's Happy and you got Preacher and you got Legion and Deadly Class, which you mentioned earlier, and Watchmen, which uh, I don't even know how they're going to do that. But it, it feels like we're getting to this more experimental area and what tv can be in relation to these more out there comic book stories and it's definitely not for children so 
I'm, I'm excited. Umbrella to, Academy. Oh, absolutely. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm excited to see where that goes. And the fact that they're having a, an art show, like, I mean, that, I'm not mad at that. That seems like something that should be done. You know, it's such an embedded part of our kind of culture now that you, you have to acknowledge it right. as it is. Otherwise, you're just not being genuine. And so I, it is what it is. Like I said, and the only real problem I have with it, I can I sometimes have with it is that people can get too tied into like the nostalgia factor of things. And and that kind of def- over like, I don't know how you say it. It kind of just like overrides like the progress and pro- progress you can have in the medium and it can create some like how they call them like toxic fandoms and stuff because i got into an argument so tied to it on you know, twitter so, so. yeah i got into an argument on twitter with a guy who was attacking a, a female journalist friend of mine for writing a piece about captain marvel and it was basically what you're talking about is you know the whole nostalgia of captain marvel as a comic book and brie larson as captain marvel in the movie and it it just it it turned into this very strange uh, argument uh, that was like surrounding the idea that his childhood was being ruined because this interpretation of yeah. Captain yeah. Marvel like, is like how my thing is how can your childhood be ruined? Your childhood happened. It right. is what it is. Like <laughs> if something you're like a thirty forty year old man like and having something new and different because now it's not just appealing to you. It's like a wide thing which is what you wanted it to be more mainstream and now it's appealing to everybody so there's younger generations that don't have that same connection to you and to be like oh my childhood is ruined like it's i think that that part of it is is pretty fucking ridiculous 100 percent, 100 percent. it's so dumb uh but you know i try to avoid these arguments and these confrontations but it, it sometimes it's like you have to step and be like you know the comic books are for you and if you didn't enjoy the movie there's going to be another one in a couple months that you'll probably enjoy. Right, right. You know, Avengers Endgame is coming out soon, and it's uh, there's bigger fish to fry out there, you know? Everyone right, right. has a thing. Like, I mean, I didn't love the Captain Marvel movie, but I wasn't, like, up in arms about it. Like, it's just, it's what it is. Like, I didn't love, I don't love the new Star Wars movies, but at the same time, it's like, okay, like, I have the ones that I related to most, and then maybe these are for somebody else, but it is what it is. Like, yeah. I can't. Once it some when something grows that big as comic book culture and kind of has that it's like it's out of your control and it is it's gonna be what it is like there's the new Toy Story trailer that just came out and Toy Story for me is like such an integral part of like my child that and like Lion King were like the the movies for me right and I think it ended perfectly with Toy Story three like same here. I don't even think there was a need or necessary to like even revisit yeah. the story. But at the same time, like I understand that it is, you know, such a big kind of franchise and piece of culture that there are younger kids that grew up watching like Toy Story three first or something like that. Like they have their own type of connection to it. And I'm not going to get like up in arms about that. They're making a fourth one. If I don't like it, then I just don't like it. Like it's not going to ruin what the, previous ones were for me that's the only part i hate about like this this modern wave about there's this sense of ownership that people have glommed onto with certain types of uh, entertainment that is directly connected to i guess a time in their lives when they formed their idea of identity 
and now they're 20 years, 30 years later, whatever, and they see that thing that they identify so much with reinterpreted in a way that ends up being insulting, you know, damaging somehow to who they are at their core that they end up lashing out at anyone and everyone who finds some sort of joy. Um, like, like lashing out at actors who are part of a, you know, reboot is yeah. ridiculous. Like, <laughs> how, how dare you do your job? Like, how right. dare you take an opportunity in a franchise? Like, come on, like, like they have no control over how the story's going to be. And just like, it's, it's ridiculous. Uh, uh, some of the things go and you know you, you get it in other mediums obviously you get it in music and you get it in uh tv other stuff but it's like it doesn't feel like it's as loud or as aggressive as like in this kind of nerd culture yes i could talk a lot about this and speculate on uh on how we got here as nerds as uh you know as as one point in time from like Revenge of the Nerds up through the 90s, it was like, you know, it was okay to pick on and beat up, you know, the the weird kid in school and uh, to use them as a punchline. And then something shifted and the nerds got the power. And I'm not going to say with great power comes great responsibility. I just did. Um, but there's something to be said for like that sort of concept of an origin story to suddenly being in a position where you feel like you might have some sort of power or agency to speak on things that you may not have had 20 years ago because of the way pop culture and society treated you so that now this stuff happens and then you feel you have the right to turn around and give the exact same kind of abuse you received 20 yeah, yeah. or 30 years before. Yeah, I mean, I always say like people are fans of comics that like preach about like inclusivity and you know social justice and you know doing the right thing and being kind and nice to other people and then when they <laughs> right. make any kind of change to that type of comic they goes out the they're like that goes out the window yeah. so it's like all right like so did, what did you really get from the stories that you're reading like what did you enjoy about it other than just he looked a certain way or he he never did this he never like things change so I'm not really for me, I personally, like, I think change is inevitable, so I never really get too upset when things do change because it's going to happen and it's going to continue to happen. So uh, that's the only part, like I said, that's that can be frustrating yeah. about this new wave. 100%. I agree. It's it's It makes me not want to go on the internet. and Yeah, I, I keep it to a minimum for sure. Part of my job is to do that. So it's like I have to uh, put the blinders on or just know what I'm going to get, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You kind of get numb to it after a while reading all these horrible comments, you know. Yeah. But those comments are not going to stop anytime soon no. because Disney has just merged with Fox this week officially. So they own even more of your childhood and Disney is going to continue to pump out some of these reboots and reimaginings of your favorite characters. So we'll see. I'm not I'm not super excited that they got Fox. I do kind of enjoy that there was kind of separation because not everything needs to be kind of Disney-fied and stories don't always need to be in part of a cinematic universe or be, you know, follow a certain formula. But they do have high quality. So there's that. I don't know. Yeah, you know, 
does Disney need to own any other companies? I mean, who do they have? They got they got Marvel, they Pixar, they, Marvel, Pixar, ABC, uh, Star Wars, uh, Lucasfilm. So, yeah, um, and now they got no, Fox, ESPN. And people are thinking, yeah. okay, they got Fox, so that means uh, <laughs> everyone's saying that means Deadpool, right? That means uh, they got uh, the X Men are going to meet the Avengers, and Deadpool's going to show up here. I kind of don't want them to. That's like my thing. Like, I... <clears throat> right, exactly, and that's a lot of stuff what I've been hearing. But it's it's weird when you also think that Fox had a specific stake in Hulu. And now that Disney bought out Fox, Disney almost owns half of Hulu now. And um, then when you take into consideration that Disney is coming out with its own streaming platform soon, Mm -hmm. Disney Plus, like, my mind starts to swim around a bit trying to, to unpack how all of this is going to play out and work in the long run. Whether it's TV shows or movies and who has the rights to what, uh, what how it's going to play i just i it's a big they, deal they own <laughs> everything like they own your childhood completely they own my childhood basically completely and i mean for me like the super stuff is obvious but i was kind of more concerned about like what they would do with like the alien franchise and stuff like yeah. that and those were more type of stuff that i don't really see them handling that well yeah i don't I'm trying to be cautiously optimistic here since this just happened. Um, uh, You know, like, for instance, uh, they now, if I remember, God, this is confusing. Do they own FX? I feel like FX and FXX are now part of Fox Entertainment. I I don't know the entire details of the deal i'm not sure if it's a hundred percent of fox properties that includes all that stuff well here's what happened what? the day that it the day that the deal went through the the disney website they they their redesign launched and they had this banner uh header image on their website which was just like it was like images of all their big properties so you had you know you had every big disney thing you could think of toy story uh, the Lion King, whatever. But interspersed in between that, you had like images of ESPN and The Simpsons and Donald Glover from Atlanta was like there between um, I, I between like Dumbo and uh, <laughs> I don't even know what, but it looked like such a cobbled together mess that I am, I'm wondering if that's representative of how this is all going to land and play well, out. Well, if Donald is on there, then that must mean they own FX. Right. So that being said, I there are some really edgy shows on FX. Like, how is they this... are not the best when it comes to creative control? Uh, like, I mean, Disney creative control. Yeah, yeah. that's um, my concern. And I think less competition is never great for creativity. So, I'm I, like I said, I'm not completely worried but i'm a bit worried about kind of what's going to happen with a lot of my favorite stuff yeah that's not disney like you know not that disney lane of content that you kind of expect from them i i i wish i had something constructive to say here i know people who work at fox who were affected by this deal um and i'm trying to think of it through the lens of 
of output what what the public's going to get um you know in return it, it just in terms of like whether it's tv shows or the big tentpole movies or even the experiences now at disneyland and disney world now that they own fox properties what does that mean does that mean the simpsons which has a ride at universal is now going to have some sort of presence at the disney parks like I know I'm getting kind of into the minutia here, but I'm it, it's hard for me to wrap my head around how this is going to look five years down the line, ten years down the line, and what the public is going to how we're going to be in in consuming the the content that is churned out. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean I've I have no idea. Like I literally can't even like I said I can't really imagine. That's why I'm what, trying to be cautiously optimistic. To yeah, I'm trying. Like I said, I'm, I'm. I mean, it's good in terms of quality because that's what they are really good at. But not the best in terms of creativity and kind of the types of stories that you can really tell. Like Donald talk, talks about some just some crazy stuff. So uh, it's hard to imagine unless Disney's really just gonna be kind of hands off with that type of property. Yeah, it's gonna be hard to imagine those that type of stuff continuing to be put out because that's one thing about FX I did enjoy is that they were willing to take more risk and Disney is not right. a risk taking company more so than like I'm worried about that more so than like Deadpool and stuff that that's all going to be fine I think ultimately. yeah you know I have the same take on it and uh that that's what I would think of it's like I don't think it was Fox Searchlight, but one of the one of the Fox studios had to shutter its doors either today or yesterday as part of the deal, which churned out a lot of um, like more indie movies that were that got award recognition, but were more like art house films. And when you yes. got, it was probably Searchlight because Searchlight what, does most of that type of stuff for Fox. Yeah, I don't think I, you know what? I don't want to open up a browser and look, but. Uh, I know it was some. I know it was some smaller uh, um, ancillary part of Fox, um, and it's one of those things where it's like, okay, Disney comes in and buys the company out, but then how is that going to affect these smaller, more prestige films that come out that aren't necessarily big tentpole films, but get people talking and end up getting awards recognition at the end of the year. Like, yeah, that ultimately are necessary, I think, for creative creativity-wise. Right. I don't know the name of the company. I saw it. I, mean, I don't think it was Fox Searchlight. I think it was another one. But, you know, honestly, it doesn't even really matter because the end result of what I'm discussing is it kind of also goes hand-in-hand hand with um, I've had <coughs> conversations about anti uh, piracy and online piracy for like big and small movies and studios make these big budget films to basically fund the smaller um, awards um, style movies that ends up you know like yeah. the favorite yeah. and even shape of water which was fox searchlight and yeah. what happens when these smaller studios start falling off then it yeah, feels like yeah. there's going to be even a, a bigger chasm between whatever Avengers movie is coming out and that small film that was only in theaters for like three weeks, but is suddenly being nominated for all the awards. You're like, what the hell was that? You know what I mean? Does that make yeah. sense? Yeah. Yeah. You definitely don't want to see like a release schedule of nothing but blockbusters. No. And, like, and I feel like we're getting there. Like, 
it's been increasing every year for sure. It's Fox Two Thousand. So. I that's the name of the the company. Okay. Although I've never even heard of Fox Two Thousand, but they just got uh, no. They just got no. killed. I mean, I guess we're gonna find out real soon. Yeah. Because you know they're known to move pretty fast. So once they got Star Wars property, they moved like next, the next week on you know kind of plotting out the future. So we'll see. Definitely, we'll find out. So you are kind of the TV guy. Uh, as I like to say, so <laughs> we're going to talk about, uh, you know, maybe some upcoming shows that people sh- that we should, you know, kind of be on the lookout for. There are so many goddamn shows. <laughs> you know, Almost too many. You know, it, it, when you said you wanted to talk about this, and I'm like, I'm, I'm compiling a list. And it's, first <laughs> off, it's one of those things where we're right now in uh, the, the mid-season, you know, the mid-season uh, premieres of shows came back in like, the middle to end of January. And it used to be that time of year where before Breaking Bad and Mad Men showed up and changed how television was consumed, we would just have, you know, 22 episode TV shows and not really have this 13 episode model that we have now. And TV shows would premiere in the fall and they would end uh, towards the end of spring, early summer. Now we just got, you know, now you got no end. You have Netflix and and FX and all these different places. We're like, well, fuck that. (laughs) So uh, I'm every day, every week I look up. Here's another show for you to watch. Like, like, yeah, I can't keep up with the ones I do watch now. So So. I made a list of like the ones that I'm uh, excited for that that people should be on the lookout for that are coming earliest uh march 24th all the way through the end of the year and the first the first title i have on this list is into the badlands that's not a new tv show at all yeah Yeah. it's on amc it's um it's it's a corny show and the reason i have it on my list is this is going to be the final season final eight episodes it premieres march 24th sunday um and I don't know when this episode is going to go up, so it's possible March 24th was last week once you're listening to this. But it, it will go up before that. Oh, probably. all right. Well, Into the Badlands, the reason why this made my list is because I there's not many shows on television, and I'm even going to refer to like Daredevil and their fight scenes, that really um, embraced the, the high-energy almost supernatural element of kung fu martial arts movies and this has a supernatural take to it obviously but the fight scenes in this in this tv show if you go in to watch just watch it for the fight scenes because they're fucking ridiculous and over the top and super bloody and are unlike anything i've seen on television before and that's why it's on my list because the story is a little silly (laughs) the acting not the best, but the fights. I feel like they blew all their budget on that. And uh, yeah, I, I've I've heard of it. I haven't seen it myself, but I have heard of it. And everybody who has told me about it has definitely been like the fight scenes. Yeah, the choreography, dude. That was that's the, that's like the number one. It's the only reason to go in, unless you know, I, I don't know, you're unless you're a fan of bad acting. There are some good actors on the show. Don't get me wrong, but uh, I really do feel like they spend most of their times on the fight choreography and the battle sequences. Um, so that's coming on on Sunday, March 24th. I have seen the first two episodes of the next show I'm going to mention, What We Do in the Shadows, based on the 2014 Taika Waititi uh, movie. Mm. 
uh, starring Jermaine Clement and uh, I can't remember the guy that played Murray. I can't remember his name. Wasn't the flight? Flight of the Concords. Yes, the flight of the Concords. Yeah, yep. the guy that played Murray in Flight of the Concords showed up in the movie as a werewolf. And the whole concept of what we do in the shadows is basically what would happen if a group of vampires that live in the city had a camera crew following them around to do kind of like a, a mockumentary style um, story like like The Office or Parks and Rec. And <laughs> I've seen the first... So it's going to kind of be like the movie. Yes. 100%. Absolutely. Because uh, I've seen the first two episodes and it's exactly what you would expect. The first episode is directed by Taika Waititi who moved on to do... He did Thor Ragnarok and... Um, I think he's working on the new Star Wars uh, live-action TV show, The Mandalorian, that's going to be coming to Disney+. Plus. This show is hilarious. If you're a fan of Flight of the Concords, and if you've seen what we do in the shadows, definitely watch this show. It's coming to FX. I almost forgot to say Into the Badlands is on AMC. Um, It's coming to FX March 27th, so that's Wednesday? That's Wednesday night. And it's it's pretty great. Again, we talk about Disney, and then I think, how is that going to affect a show like this? And I hope it doesn't because it's it's brilliant. And Jermaine Clement is one of the uh, executive producers and writers and directors on the show as well. And you can definitely feel it in the humor, in the delivery of the dialogue, uh, and just how the vampires exist in this world is pretty yeah. great. I've seen the movie, so I'm definitely interested to see how the series turns out. It's pretty great. Um, Next on my list, this is – I have a story to tell here. There's a show called Hannah that's coming to Amazon Prime. It's premiering on March 29th. Based on the movie, right? Based on the movie. There's a lot of shows based on it's movies. It's based on the movie, but it's not just based on the movie. It's written by the guy that wrote the movie. So the TV show is from David Farr, the creator of the film, which came out in 2011 starring Saoirse Ronan and Kate Blanchett and uh, uh, Eric Bana. And he decided that he could reinterpret his story in a longer format. And I actually went on a set visit to Budapest, um, Romania. Is it Romania? Romania. Budapest, Hungary? Hungary. Yeah. Hungary. I always do that because there's a Bucharest and a Budapest. I went on a trip for Collider. I did a set visit for Collider back in May. And I went on a three-day set visit. They shot in Budapest. And I got to interview uh, the cast and be on set and watch them shooting it and I've seen the first episode, and it looks pretty badass. It's starring Joel Kinnaman, who was in um, – the hell was the name of that Netflix show where he's, like, naked and shooting people all the time? Uh, oh, um, Yes, carbon. he was in – all. thank you. I'm glad that that is a good explanation of the show. He was in Altered <laughs> Carbon. He was the new RoboCop. He was in Suicide Squad. Well, he is in uh, Hannah. He plays Eric, Hannah's dad, the role that Eric Bana played in the movie. And he's reuniting with Marae Enos, who he starred opposite in AMC's The Killing, um, which was a great show that lasted, I think, four or five seasons. But they're not friends in this, so it's pretty interesting to see their dynamic. Um, It's darker and edgier, I think, than the movie was, because the movie had this this, uh, fairy tale theme that lasted throughout, and I think they sort of got rid of that for the TV show. Yeah, Yeah, they were just... Kind of trying to be a like kind of a box office hit, but it wasn't really that type of movie. It was, you know, it was it was okay. It was. It had a great soundtrack. Bad. That was what I took away from it. The Chemical Brothers soundtrack is pretty great to write too, if you if that's your sort of thing. 
Um, on March 31st, holy crap, that is not that far away. Barry is coming back to HBO. I don't know if you've seen Barry. Um, Henry Winkler Heard of it, and, seen it. and Bill Hader both won Emmys for their performance on the show. And it's basically the idea of um, what happens when a depressed hitman finds joy in a local community theater group? How can he escape his life of murder to this new community where he's actually found acceptance and happiness for the first time in his life? And it starts off as a dark comedy and took a really... Uh, unexpected dramatic twist about halfway through the show and I've never seen Bill Hader in such a performance and I cannot wait for season two so I didn't realize that was right around the corner March 31st it's like a week away week and a half Um, if you haven't seen it it's on HBO they're 30 minute episodes it's not like you have to um, invest a lot of your time in each episode yeah yeah might check it's, it out because for me it's like a lot of these shows are like one hour episodes yeah. each now and it's kind of like mm, yeah I, I don't i'll get around to it you know maybe maybe no 30 minutes i can I do think that it's 30 know. minutes and i think if i remember correctly it was either an eight or ten episode season uh so okay. it's not a huge time commitment and trust me it's it's a, I, mean, I mean that's that's why i just finished russian doll literally because it was 30 yeah minutes. man oh that show that show was unexpected the way that unraveled. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, I, don't, I don't even know how if they can do a season two. I don't even think a season two is necessary for that. It, I mean, it was the perfect arc. Yes. But, yes. But it was a hit enough that I think they're going to make a season two. Yeah. In some ways but then you hope that they're not going to fuck it up. You know, when, when you have a show like that that has a great beginning, middle, and end, and you don't necessarily need another season that's like what you said about toy story 3 it's like okay are we just doing this for money yeah if we're just doing this for money and that's going to dictate the story you write then maybe it's not coming from the same genuine place that the first season yeah i mean this is why breaking bad is probably my favorite show ever because yes but they ended it it right when they but a breaking bad movie is coming out soon so Yeah. It's like, do we need to know what happened to Jesse Pinkman after he escaped no, the Nazis? No, but will I watch it? Absolutely. Most <laughs> right, right. Okay, <laughs> have you been watching Better Call Saul? Because I have this theory that somehow Jesse Pinkman is going to run into present-day Saul, who is now Gene Takovic, the manager of the Cinnabon in, like, where is yeah. he, Nebraska? Yeah, I'm a, I think I got to season two, I've, so I haven't... I think it's season four now, so I haven't seen the last two. I want yet. them to reconnect, and I don't even know how that would work, but I, I think that would be pretty, even if it doesn't at all make any sense. Like a small, I think they're probably going to build up to it. They've, you know, they've shown some pretty big characters already, so I think. Yeah. They probably, I wouldn't be surprised if he found some way, even if it's just like a one-off type yeah. of thing to, to reappear. Yeah, you know, it would please the fan. Um, For sure. Next on my list, now, you and I emailed a bit about uh, Jordan Peele's Us, and I just wrote like a 2,000-word-long long, word long uh, article um, about the, the pop culture Easter eggs in the movie. And so it's really fresh in my mind, and 
I think he's going to ride that wave into April because Twilight Zone is coming to CBS All Access in April. Yeah, I'm really excited to see what he does. It's going to make me buy CBS All Access. That was not a service I was going to get at all. Now I'm just going to buy it for Twilight Zone. But what I find interesting... I think they have Star Trek, Star Trek Discovery on there. That's the show I think I watched. I heard it's gotten better in Season 2, but... Yes. Gonna... It's... There's so it's many streaming I mean, services out there. I yeah. gotta pick and choose where my money goes. Yeah, so that's 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 definitely be our last topic that we're gonna talk about. Um, <laughs> At least but like Twilight Zone. So I don't know if you remember, they rebooted Twilight Zone in um, the eighties. Um, uh, no, George R. R. Martin was one of the writers on the show, and it was it was not a good reboot. And the fact that they're finally rebooting it with someone who has shown that he has the storytelling chops and the on-camera charisma to be um, this generation's Rod Serling or Alfred Hitchcock, however you want yeah. to uh, to explain him, because I've seen him be described in both lenses. I can't fucking wait. And I know that they are going to be paying homage to the classic, uh, some of the classic uh, episodes. I've seen some breakdowns of it. The cast that's been announced... And the fact that it's on CBS All Access, I'm wondering if they're going to have to censor anything. Not that I don't necessarily want it to get like, you know, profane left and right, but I'm really, I'm really intrigued and hopeful, especially after the commercial that they premiered during the Super Bowl. You know? Yeah, I think he's on fire right now, and I think he has a great kind of imagination for that type of stuff, yeah. and is very subversive in a lot of the stuff, which I think is what you need for like a show like that. And I mean, I'm a pretty big fan of Dark Mirror and a lot of those episodes, so I can... There's definitely a, a space for it, that type of show. Right, right. Yeah, that's something that uh, we've talked about on my podcast before, is that there's this there's this resurgence of this type of anthology storytelling format that sort of went away um, after Tales from the Crypt went away in the late 90s, early 2000s, because I guess people then thought that you know, these TV shows were more so like too short attention span ish with the way that they were telling the stories and you didn't have to invest a lot of attention to an overall season narrative. But now we have yeah. so much content that it's kind of hard think, to, yeah, think yeah. that, that these are popping up like beacons in all these like high concept shows where you need to focus on every little detail, which is why shows like love death and robots work so well. And yeah, and Black Mirror showed that, and then Philip K. Dick inspired uh, anthology series are popping up. And so the fact that they brought Twilight Zone back or that they're bringing it back feels like a no brainer. A no brainer. And why did it take them so long? But yeah. I'm yeah. glad it's coming back, and I'm not glad I have to spend more money on more content. But <laughs> you know, uh, I gotta, I, I gotta be, uh, I gotta know, I, I gotta be in it. Yeah, I can't wait like a month to see an episode everyone's going to be talking about in April. You know, yeah. Um, yeah. On April seventh, just one week later, because we can't fucking catch a break, um, is Killing Eve season two of Killing Eve is coming back on April seventh, and I don't know if you've seen the show. It stars Sandra Oh. I've seen a couple of episodes. I haven't gotten through. The first oh movie. man, I, I, I'm going to give you this. Okay, so I don't know if you're going to find the time, but if you watch Barry. Barry and Killing Eve make they match up really in a weird way because they're both follow like this killer uh, character 
that is trying to find some semblance of humanity and normalcy in their chaotic world, except Barry's a comedy yeah. and Killing Eve is not, but there are dark comedic elements in it. All I know is that was my favorite show last year. Well, that's not all I know. I know a lot of other things. Um, and it came out of nowhere. And now season two is coming back and it's a BBC show, BBC America. And I guess AMC, who owns BBC America, was like, well, we're going to air it, too, because AMC right now has The Walking Dead and that's it. And yeah, the show was kind of slowing down. Yeah, exactly. And the show was killing it in the ratings. So if you have not seen Killing Eve season one and you have AMC, uh, know that uh, now's the time to catch up somehow because season two is coming soon and it will be on AMC. Um, and I... It's a great show. It's it's Sandra O oh deserves all the awards she received for her performance in that show. Um, yeah, yeah, I've heard nothing but good things. I just haven't really had the time yet to kind of sit down and watch it. I'm halfway through this list. I'm trying to move fast for you. Um, well, all right. So I think that's good right now. There's two shows, two last shows I really wanted. To yeah, go for it. Talk about. Um, obviously, Game of Thrones. That's on my list. That was yes. next. <laughs> Yeah, so I think April 13th. 14th. I can't remember the exact date. 14th. So have, are you a big Game of Thrones no. fan? <laughs> I'm, no. I'm in the minority in the sense that I've watched every episode, and I'm, uh, I'm not going to say I hate the show, uh, but I'm going to say I don't like it. <laughs> but I've watched every episode because I have to – I mean, I have to know what's going on, especially in the industry I work in. And there are characters that I love to watch, and the effects on the show are, you know, jaw-dropping. And there are episodes where, you know, like Red Wedding, for instance, where I'm like, oh, what the fuck? You know, this is a prime example of a TV show that raises the stakes in the sense that you never know who's going to die. You could you yeah. could engage so much with a character, and, and they can become your favorite thing. And this is one of those shows where they just pull out the, the rug from underneath you and mind you i did not read the books i tried getting into the books and it just wasn't my thing and uh not a big fan of the show but i can appreciate it for what yeah, it is you definitely that you can i can say you're definitely the minority i know because obviously it's a huge i know huge property huge following um i'm definitely a fan uh i'm not a fan of every episode uh obviously there's some super slow moments but i do kind of like that type of style because it does they do a pretty good job of building you know the storyline yeah. and the world throughout the entire seasons except for season seven which did a bunch of time jumps to kind of try to speed things right. up so like i can't wait for this one like i, I mean obviously we didn't get it last year and so it was a big you know absence so people yeah. have definitely been dying to see this one and even if you don't love the story, the fight scenes are fucking oh, absolutely, and absolutely, this season's gonna be basically all about the war. So it's I can only fucking imagine. We've been waiting for winter to come. Like let's yeah, let's get to it. Finally, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's only yeah, been eight yeah. years, but the closing war fight scene that ended last season had me so hyped for this season. So like I really can't wait to that is. That is an interesting thing you brought up, though, the fact that it was gone last year. So many people dropped HBO because 
Game of Thrones was not available, like their subscribership went down. Yeah. So. Yeah, I I believe it. That was a big one. That's their big one. That is their big one. Like it's, it it's the reason why most people got you know the stream service in first place. So like, damn, how can I watch Game of Thrones? Yeah. Uh, and now each episode that's coming is going to be about. I think I read that each episode is going to be movie length. You're going to get like hour, hour, hour and yeah. a half. Uh, it's the longest one. I mean, I'm, I'll look. I'll watch it's it. Only, but this only seven, only seven episodes though. Yeah, so seven or eight. I think it's seven. seven eight, I think it's seven. I mean, you're going to get some epic fight scenes in this one for sure, and there's going to be a lot of payback, and that's that's literally the best part of the series for most people. For me, is like the the build up to like. Because the good guys never win for the most part of, you know, leading up to this. And then you finally get those giant moments of, like, payback and, like, revenge. And, like, that's those, oh, I'm... that kind of feeling is... There's, I, I feel, there's, yeah. there's certain characters that have it coming and, you know, you just can't wait to actually, like... See I feel it. you on that. I, I, and that's that's what draws me in. Every time I'm like, ah, fuck this show. And then something happens, I'll be like, oh, that was cool. They're I mean... Really, they're really good at making you hate certain people. Like that's one thing I will say is that they are really good at that. Yeah. Well, I'll watch it and I'll report back to you on whether or not I hated it as much as last year or the year before. Or whatever. So, look, I got to ask, how do you feel about Stranger Things? Because season three, the trailer. Just I know, and, and that was also on my list. See, I I cover the bases. Um, I am. Okay, so I think season three takes place in 1987. And in 1987, I would have been 11 years old. So this is like appealing to a place I was kind of almost along the the age lines of where they are. Maybe they're a few years ahead of where I was in 87. So like the like the pop culture things that they are they're riffing on every season has something. You had the Ghostbusters, you had E.T. So I saw the trailer and I mean, immediately I was immediately i wanted to watch gremlins although gremlins came out in like i think 84 or 83 i love the style and tone of the seri- uh, of the the trailer it definitely feels like it's later in the 80s than the first two seasons yeah and um i'm here for the sheriff like you know i i <laughs> what's sheriff hopper yeah he's my favorite character yeah. i i i will watch now i'll watch anything um uh, David Harbour is in because of this show, even though I wa- he was great in Newsroom and also great in Manhattan. And I don't know if he's going to be great as Hellboy, but I saw the trailer. July 4th sounds like a perfect weekend to just stay indoors, I guess, and watch this show and avoid uh, the crazy public displays of fireworks and drunken partying everywhere. I'm kidding. I would rather do those things. But because I have a baby in the house, I will probably be indoors binging um, these episodes. I'm into it. I'm. I can't wait to see what they do. Yeah, I have mixed feelings. Um, I love the world. I love the setup. I obviously like, like you said, the '80s feel. They they nail it completely, and it definitely feels like a Steven Spielberg classic type of film, which I loved growing up, and like I think a lot of people did. That's why people kind of gravitated towards it so much. I just don't really love the story of it yeah like the actual story 
like I don't think they execute things very well. You have a point. Especially in season two, it felt very underwhelming in terms of like what actually happened. Yeah. But you know, there's like cool characters and there's cool imagery and like it's a cool just setting to be in. And I think that carries it more so than the story. Like the story, I don't think they've really done anything special or I think they super exciting. I think they sort of buckled under the pressure of this of this world they were building and not expecting the show to take off the way it did. So that trying to build out that world and these characters and the reasons behind what's happening even more in season two, there were plot lines that got a little thin. I completely super thin. Completely like, agree. Like I was really expecting some follow-up to a lot of things that happened in season one and just kind of never did and then when it kind of yeah. did it was super like yeah you know and it's like but oh. it's really cool to look at yeah yeah it's really <laughs> cool like it's super cool like don't get me wrong like it it nails the visuals the, like of everything like goonies is like one of my favorite you know movies ever so they definitely know that kind of dynamic between the kids and everything like that and the feel and the coolness of like just being in the 80s and everything but it's just like the story is really not that great. Man. Yeah, I tell you all down here. Really <laughs> so you great. have your <laughs> you have your Game of Thrones, and I'll have my Stranger Things. <laughs> all, right. all right, cool. I mean, there's gonna be a lot more Game of Thrones coming too because there are a lot of movies being made. And I know. And they're on the way. It's, it's not going anywhere soon, even after. This. I'm very aware. <laughs> <laughs> so before we get to like our last kind of topic. We kind of mentioned it before, but we didn't really talk about it. Was Supernatural is finally coming to an end after 15 seasons? It's going to be its 15th season coming up in the fall, yeah. So I've only kind of seen it sparingly. It's always on TV, so it's like, oh, I guess I'll watch an episode or rerun of this and this. Like, I don't really know the entire story, so I'm obviously definitely not. I, I, I can confidently say without any sort of embarrassment or shame that I have seen every episode of Supernatural barring this season that's currently airing. So you're a fan. <laughs> yeah. I mean, look, I started watching the show uh, on a whim. Uh, I guess it was on the earlier seasons, they're still on Netflix. And I'm a horror fan. I love horror movies. And yeah. especially the earlier seasons, they really did like this uh, insane monster of the week formula that was similar to that of the X-Files. And they were... That's kind of why I watched it. Yeah. I, I love the X-Files. Now, the show originally was planned to have just a... Just, they just intended it to have a five-season story arc. Right? And... And three, and yeah. the fifth season, it came to this big battle between Sam and Dean, the humans on planet Earth, their new Castiel friend who is uh, Angel, and them battling demons and Lucifer over the soul of Sam and the future of the planet, all this crazy over-the-top stuff. They then continued the show after that, after they tied all that together. And for the most part, it has worked. It's turned into like, it's turned into like this, uh, I'm not going to say like a comic book series, but these characters feel, and they even made reference to it and had a crossover episode with Scooby-Doo, but they're kind of like living this ongoing Scooby-Doo life where they're constantly, you know, solving mysteries and fighting ghosts and doing all these bonkers 
supernatural, for lack of better, uh, for lack of a better word, uh, things. And I think it all comes down to the main characters of Sam and Dean because it's their emotional foundation, their bond is what what solidifies how the show works. And they've even said multiple times they're like a family. I mean, they just aired their 300th episode, which is... I mean, I mean, 15 seasons of, like, to do something for 15 straight years is like... A, that This crazy. show started on the WB. The, this And the WB ended up rebranding and became the CW. And this is, the CW, this is yeah. one of the only shows that that is still airing that aired on the WB first that is still on now the CW um you know it, there were later episodes that got a little weak in its storyline because you're on for so long what new things are you going to be able to explore you know you start recycling ideas or your storylines start getting more and more bizarre which ends up i think which can end up, I think, taking away ultimately from what makes the show watchable, uh, which are these characters and their relationships and their history together. But somehow I keep coming back to watch more episodes. <laughs> and now that I know that they have an end date and that like a like just one more season, I'm going to watch the fuck out of that season because I know that now that there is an end goal in sight, they are going to probably hopefully work to tie all these loose ends up and deliver a pretty kick-ass season since they know it's ending. I hope. Shows are never the best at, you know, tying up loose ends. I'm just hoping it's not going to be like... Series are always pretty terrible at ending. As long as it's not like Dexter or, you know, Lost. See, I started watching Dexter after like season four or five because it just got fucking ridiculous. You made a smart decision. Like, I love the first two, three seasons, but it just got too... killed his sister and then moved to the forest to become a lumberjack. (laughs) So... Yeah, that's just... That's... Yeah. So as long as we don't have that... I mean, I wasn't surprised. Once you have kind of that core concept, it's like, how... Where can you really go with it after so many seasons? Yeah. Fifteen. Yeah. Fifteen is crazy. Like, I mean, I, I was... It's like one of those shows for me, like, kind of... Like it's always sunny, where it's like, oh shit, there's another. Season. Yeah, I, I was just about to say. I stopped. I haven't checked out in like three seasons, but maybe I'll. You know, always sunny, I think, bit, is you know? now the longest running uh, comedy on TV in the history of television. I think, and I'm not talking about Saturday Night Live or anything like that, because I think they've just been renewed through to like their 14th season or something. Yeah. Yeah. And you're, I mean, and it's always sunny in Philadelphia. It's not like Frasier or something. It's just like. What? Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's just one of those that it, when it's there, I'll watch it. Like, isn't that something I really like look out like for specifically now? But when I see it pop up, oh, okay, I'll watch it. Yeah, you know? uh, it's kind of like I wonder if there's gonna be like an uproar to kind of save it, like it was with like The Simpsons. Even though The Simpsons is objectively bad now, but they still are around because it's such a staple. I don't know? think there will be because. CW, the president of CW, Mark Pedowitz, basically said they were going to keep the supernatural on for as long as the actors wanted to do it, and it was the actors' decision to to yeah. Yeah. make it come yeah. to an end. I mean, it's rare that an actor wants to do something 
for 15 season, 15 years. Right. Basically. So it's different from like, say a company saying we're canceling the show. So if it's the actors that all that the audience has fallen in love with and they're making the decision, I would assume that these fanatics or I don't know, what do you call them? The super natties. I don't, I don't know what the fandom's name is, but whoever they are, I feel like they would probably respect that given that they follow these actors online and become fans of theirs outside of these characters, you know, that they have families, their own lives and all that. That's what I would assume it is. Yeah, kinda of like the arrow. The arrow's ending, I yeah. think, next year too, and I was just like, Yeah, sounds about right, right. about time. Yeah. You know. I agree. <laughs> I agree. More we need to see here. Yeah. I wasn't expecting Arrow to last as long as it has. So good yeah. on them. Yeah. I mean the last few seasons haven't been even really good <laughs> because it's there. I just keep watching it, yeah. you know, like I'm already so invested in it. It's like, uh, I guess I'll keep watching, but hoping it'll get better, but it has not. So I think it's about time. I was never a huge fan of the show, but I got to give it credit for starting the, uh, yeah, it started, something started the whole comic, all I the comic book possible. series on, on the CW started with Arrow. Yeah. I'm a big fan of Flash, so we got that because of yeah. Arrow, so I'm happy about that. But Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, last kind of main topic I really want to talk about is, we again alluded to a little earlier, so Apple is on the verge of releasing their own streaming service, and they have a ton of, like, big key talent attached to, like, a lot of the shows that they plan on releasing, like a Reese Witherspoon, Jennifer Aniston type of team up, Chris Evans led show, and a bunch of other stuff. And I guess that kind of got me thinking: like, is there are there too many streaming services out yes. there? Yes, yes, there are. And, and there's this. Uh, All right, great, great. Discussion. There's this. Uh, <laughs> there's this topic that I've seen. I, I've heard multiple people talk about, and I've seen articles about it. How. People are just basically projecting that in the next few years, these streaming services are going to start. They're going to start being bundled like cable services to people. So it's like you're cutting cable for these streaming services, but then what happens when there's so many streaming services you can't keep track of, and then they're bundled together in a service like cable TV that is then offered yeah. to whatever consumer. I, I mean, I. Look, you talk about the Apple service. I don't even know if Apple, if their uh, streaming service is going to be available to non-Apple users. I mean, I'm on a MacBook talking to you right now, but I don't have Apple TV and I don't have an iPhone. Do so I. it's like, do is this one of the things where you will only be able to access this content through an Apple device? You know? I, 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 would, I would say that. I would too, but... But there are things available on Apple TV that I can't currently get. So it's like I, I, you know, I know Steve Jobs was very much about when he was alive about creating this ecosystem. Yeah. And I don't know how that's going to work. My, I am very interested in some of these Apple shows. Like they're rebooting Ama- Amazing Stories, which was uh, Steven Spielberg's Amblin Entertainment TV show, which was an anthology TV show in the eighties. Um, and that show with Jennifer Aniston that you spoke of, I think it's like about a morning, uh, news show and Steve Carell's going to be in that as well. Like there's some really cool sounding stuff coming to it, but at the same time, it's like, and they have a fuckload of money to throw at stuff. Right. But you got Hulu stuff and you got Amazon stuff and you got Netflix stuff. Hulu, Netflix, 
Amazon, YouTube, uh, the upcoming Disney, yeah. Apple, and I'm sure there's like one or two. Well, there's even things. smaller things. Crackle. Cra- but like Crackle's free. No one watches Crackle. <laughs> but then also like Shudder, owned by AMC, which is a horror streaming service that is $5 a month. But I don't think anybody really watches a lot of these streaming I do. So that's my thing. Is like, how are they making enough money to keep up outside of Netflix? And even Netflix, I don't think is making enough money to... No, Netflix... Because they're throwing so much money at these properties. Netflix that, is in debt, and I don't know how they're... I know they're massively in debt. There's no way. I don't know how they're reaping a profit on any so of much money on Yeah, content. but you got like Amazon, like that show Hannah we were talking about. They shot it in like 12 different countries. They, like, they shot it all over Europe, and, and you're like, you have a budget like that. 20 people are going to end up watching Right, it but Jeff Bezos has all the money in the Amazon, world. Even though it's yeah, free. Right, Jeff... I have it, and I literally don't watch any of the shows. But Jeff Bezos has all the money, so that's where it comes from. It's like... This, he's throwing all this money at this stuff to see what sticks. And, you know, when we talk about streaming services, I look at Netflix like a utility at this point. It's like, you know, yeah. obviously I have Netflix. Like, I don't even think about it, right? And Hulu is starting to really put out some cool um, original content. But I go to Hulu for my, like, network television, for, like, my cable TV stuff that I can't get on Netflix. I forget I have Amazon half the time. And I do, and there's yeah, stuff on Amazon that you can watch, and I'm like, I don't have the time, I don't have the brain capacity. Man in the High Castle, I think, is the only show I've actually watched from Prime. I I've seen I've seen something like Bosch, which is a show that feels like I should be 70 years old on a Barca lounger watching, but instead here I am in my 40s <laughs> watching this like cop procedural <laughs> about a tragic. Alcoholic who can't find love, um, but I mean the thing with Amazon is okay. Maybe they're not I'm for sure they're not making any money off it, but they have so much money to just keep popping right. into it that I don't think it's really that important to them. I think more like the acclaim and stuff like that is like even with their movies. I think it's more like the prestige and the acclaim that comes with it. I think it's more important to them, but. It was just, these other streaming services, I'm just like, how are you going to continue? Like, how is it possible for you to continue like this? You know, I'm wondering if there's distribution deals that they have in place with companies and channels outside of America. Like, for instance, I've had this conversation multiple times about The Walking Dead. How is AMC, and I know I'm getting off topic just a little bit, I'll tie it back around. How the hell is AMC mm-hmm. still making The Walking Dead and making other Walking Dead shows when their ratings are going down? And then I learned that sony tv behind the 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 tv show is making so much money overseas and globally on the show so then i'm wondering if stuff on like stuff on netflix there's stuff internationally that people on netflix are getting that we don't have access to here um like dc like dc universe stuff i think dc's titans is available on netflix for people outside of America. I think DC is talking about doing their own streaming service. They are. I just forgot about it's that called too. DC Universe, like, and yeah. it's currently available, I think, for $6 a month. Um, right. But, I mean, so you think about that. You think about the stuff on Amazon. There are some shows that are Amazon originals, but Amazon has partnered with people like Sky, uh, yeah. Sky Forum. Yeah, I have seen some you stuff know? pop up on, like, so Then it's like, how, what are those distribution and partnership deals, and how are they reaping the benefits for Amazon and whoever else is involved? Like, there's a lot going on behind the scenes that I can't really wrap my head around in, in how much money they spend on a show that no one's watching, like that new Kate Beckinsale TV show, but somehow they're still doing it. 
Didn't even know she yeah, had one. It's on Amazon. Uh, or the new season of Bosch, which is like apparently one of their highest viewed shows that I don't know anyone who watches it, but something is happening. Something is, is bringing them some sort of profits. But as, you know, as these different services continue to like cut into each other's kind of viewership, because I don't think every, the, the average person I don't think is going to buy into all of these services. They're going to kind of pick and choose. Oh, I forgot HBO too. Uh, and like stars and all the other stuff. But so I just don't see how it's going to continue because it's just getting split up even more and more and more among these different services. Like I said, I don't think most people are going to continue to pay for all of these services. Like paying one or two and maybe even three was okay, but now you're going to pay for 12 yeah. to get. Right. Because you can only go here to watch this or you can only get here to watch this show. Like it's like. That's why I'm like. I don't have cable anymore, obviously, because there's no point to that. But like you said, it is kind of becoming the new cable thing instead of them having to pay like direct tv and all that they're just taking the money themselves so I, for them it's smart but i just don't see as a consumer how they're going to keep up with it enough where it's going to make sense profitability unless if, to continue uh, to produce these unless if they bundle them together and turn it into like their own like cable package of streaming services yeah it's just hard to imagine seeing all of these giant companies really working together like yeah. that, you know, because they're going to want their money. Disney for sure is not no. going to cooperate with any of them. They they have, you know, all, all the children stuff for sure. They definitely want all the money. So I don't. Yeah, I just don't really see. And it. this like, is where it gets even more tricky. That Warner Brothers is or Warner Media is talking about doing their own streaming service. Warner is owned by uh, Time Warner, who's who owns HBO and DC Comics. So then you start trying to wrap your head around what's going to be on what. If there's going to be a Warner Media or Warner Brothers uh, streaming platform and Warner owns HBO and DC, but HBO has its own streaming platform, as does DC with DC Universe, then it starts getting even more uh, confusing and more convoluted as to where do you go for what. Yeah, do you have to buy into every single one of them, or if you access, do you access every? You know, so yeah, like it's it's too much now. I think it's almost way too much. Like people were complaining because cable and their packages were way too complicated, yeah. but this shit's even more complicated than cable now. Yeah. Like, it's like, oh, I can I only watch this one show, so I have to pay a streaming service just to watch this one show that I'm watching. You know what I'm saying? Like it's, I don't know. I'm not a fan of it, and. Even though I'm complaining about it, I'm not going incrim- to incriminate myself, but I don't have any of the streaming services. Oh, yeah? Uh, but I still manage to watch a lot of this stuff every <laughs> I want to. All right. But <laughs> I get it. <laughs> but I just don't really see how it's going to like continue like this. Like It's just every day there's like some new streaming service. I know. Because I forgot. Like CBS, ABC, ABC, they all have their own individual ones, too. And yeah. But, and, but, but for those, like the ABC streaming service and even Showtime and HBO and all that stuff, you have to have a subscription like like uh for networks like stars abc like you see these apps come up on the xbox or i don't know what platform or 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 service you use to get your content you see all these apps like oh i can access that nope you have to have a cable subscription to get in so that's how they still get yeah, you with that yeah that's just annoying yeah I don't know, man. This it, i feel like the ongoing theme of our conversation is there is too much shit out there to watch there's way too much 
way too much. Can't keep up. Impossible. TVs, movies, it's just, you can't keep up now. It's like, it's way too much. I know. So I don't, I don't know what, I don't know if they can continue at this pace because the money they're putting into this is almost absurd at this point. Like Netflix just paid like a hundred million dollars for friends again. Like it's. Wow. Really? I yeah. didn't read that, but that's, I mean, considering the amount of money that they're in, they're deep in debt. I don't, I don't understand how they are sustainable business wise. And yeah, no, yeah, no one was charging what? 15 is it 15? I don't know. Now? My wife pays for it. Um, I think it's, I think you guys tell me if I'm wrong, but I think it's around $15 a month for the the service. And I just, I just don't see how that's bringing them enough money to cover everything. That I don't either. Is. I don't either, but the amount of content they're putting out is original content. They're putting out is yeah. insane. I'm still going to watch it. Hopefully uh, it doesn't go down like a burning ship or anything, but sinking ship, burning ship. Burning House, oh, what would, TLC. I wonder what, 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 what would happen. I guess somebody would just buy it while they're yeah, probably and put it on there. I don't know, man. I, I, I don't know. Like, uh, there's so much stuff out, and I don't have time to watch half of it. And I'm a TV journalist, and I'm supposed to watch TV. And now I have a six month old baby in the house, which makes it even more of a challenge. So, like. I sort of just throw my hands up in the air and be like, whatever I meant to watch will fall upon me at the right moment. And that right moment is usually at like one o'clock in the morning, which is last night I finished watching Love, Death and Robots at one o'clock in the morning. So I don't know. I I'm, I feel conflicted about it because I, I remember growing up, we had like seven channels. So there's so much stuff now. And I think it's so awesome that, that TV has blossomed in this way but yeah. the yeah, but insane. the flip side of that is i just i can't keep up and i don't think anyone can and if you try it's yeah, too it's stressful like <laughs> it's like complaining about having too much like i do think there's too much of a good thing so it's like yeah you can put out all this great stuff but if nobody even knows it's there or has a chance to like really see it eh, it's kind of like it's the point but like you said i mean it is great that there's a bunch of different content out there for you can't really say i'm bored nowadays because content right that is out there is or you can and if you do you're just spoiled because you know uh because we are definitely spoiled that that is one thing about it nowadays we are definitely spoiled like in terms of what we have access to i don't know man let's uh let's reconvene on this topic once Apple releases their thing and Disney Plus is up because I have no idea how this is going to play out at all. I do. I, I do have. I think one interesting thing I do think about the streaming is that with all this money that they are pumping into like all these shows, almost number one on almost all the streaming services are like shows like The Office. And yeah, and stuff right. Like that like it's like people buy them and they basically just rewatch all the old. Uh, network my TV wife has that, been doing you know, that she's rewatched all these like ncis's in the office and friends and like all the stuff that yeah. you can easily yeah. just get on on dvd or blu-ray or on cable syndication yeah it's just comfort food the, this is why they just paid i think hundred million dollars for friends because it was like their number one watch show out of all the hundreds of million dollars they're pumping into the content friends that's crazy that's, you know drawing the people in the <laughs> that's crazy uh, uh, yeah uh, I don't know. 
I don't know. You guys let us know uh, where you guys watch, you know, your preferred shows or what's your preferred streaming service. What do you guys think about all these new streaming services popping up? Will you, you know, invest into all of them or will you selectively kind of choose what you want to see? Or are you like me and have a fire stick? Uh, let me let us know in the comments down below wherever this goes up. But yeah, um, that's it. I mean, we cover a lot today. A lot of TV, a lot of pop culture stuff. But that is it for today's episode of The Fearless Show. Again, today's date was March 22nd, 2019. And of course, if you have any topics, questions, comment, suggestions, or suggestions about this show, past show, or any future shows, you can go to podcast at emails at podcast at livinglifefears.co or go to livinglifefears.co slash podcast and fill out the form there and you may make one of our future shows. Uh, thank you to Aaron Pruner, our special guest today. Thanks for having me. Did a great job. Yeah, it's a good show. Um, definitely go check out his article. On there will class, be more. I promise you I will that. write more for you. <laughs> For sure. It was a great article, so I'm definitely looking forward to more. Um, yeah, probably have you on you know, some future shows and whatnot. Definitely keep this going. Again, you can find us on Apple, Google Play, SoundCloud, YouTube, wherever this goes up. And thank you guys for joining and following and continuing to follow and support us. And again, if you like these podcasts, please subscribe wherever you, you know, kind of take the media in. But until then, we will be back shortly with another podcast. Probably next week. Can't guarantee it. Things have been busy, but looking at next week. So check you guys soon. Peace.